You know what they say, Dominic. The freaks come out at night. <laughs> well, it looks like it. Um, so if you're watching this on YouTube, things might look a little different. This might a be, little... and, and honestly, even for audio, it might sound a little different. Yeah, I true. Will. True. So, um, hmm. how do I say this? Well, obviously, I'm at my mom's house. You can see the the pottery barn. Yep, the uh, decor, looking, right? Yeah, the decor, the white woman decor. Yep. Um, so I'm here for a few days. Well, I'm here for today, tonight, and then I'm going on a trip, and then I'm coming back and staying another night. You guys don't care about that. Point is, I had to pack light for stuff that wasn't for my trip. So I packed my laptop and charger because I knew we needed to record an episode. Right. And then all hell broke loose. That's no joke. I mean, first we're recording very late. So yes, time is of the essence. No. Yes. Very. However, the bigger issue was I did not realize how booty cheeks my audio is when I don't, the key to everything, people, was those big old beats that I've wore. Every episode since we've been video. Yeah, I mean, that's 90 episodes. 90 episodes, well, 89. <laughs> 89, yeah. The, I guess I didn't realize that it was the first time I hadn't wore them until Dominic's like, oh my god, I can hear myself, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So we have rigged up a little system here <laughs> that is going to work. So if you notice, there is an individual on the bottom there. Um, that's my that's me as well. It is. Um, so the top right, what we did is I'm going to explain this. This is great. So what I what I have here, I have my phone right next to my laptop. My phones or my computer is what you're seeing me on up yes. here. Yeah. Up here, this this me. I'm cracking up, dude. But the audio on the computer is muted. Right. For me and for Dom. Right. However, I'm also on here on my phone. Hey, that's me at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. me, so I can hear Dominic through my phone, and yes. I'm talking into my phone. Yes. So that is our system. And you're going to have to deal with it for episode 190, 191, and our betting show. At least it's not 200. True, true. <laughs> um, but I guess before, I, I get it. You guys ain't here for this. You don't give a fuck. I mean, you just want us to talk about MMA. But I, look, I apologize, all right? Yeah. I was excited about the boys' trip to Tennessee, you know, whatever. I, I, I fucked up. But hey, <laughs> it's not going to be the last time. So honestly, I, I think this is a good thing so you guys can get used to this man this is a heck of a compromise if i'm being honest i mean I, we're really this anything for the content we're, we're showing our dedication I, through, I put this fucking yeah he was working at mcdonald's for a second i i was fucking look <laughs> i was looking like i was working night shift <laughs> fucking <laughs> there by mickey d's Oh, this is Which an there's nothing wrong with recording that. here. I have a lot yeah. of love and respect for our night shift workers at fast food restaurants. True. If you look at me, you can probably tell I frequented at those times. So without further ado, you guys are here for UFC London. We That's got a right. lot to talk about as far as that card goes. We also have a big 
fight announcement, Rosanami Yunus' next title defense, and a couple other things. Francis Ngannou, knee surgery this week. True. But before we get into all of it, Dominic, I want you to talk about how you're doing, and then you can just segue it right into telling everybody, reminding everyone where they can follow us on social media. Hey, I'm doing great, man. We're, we're dwindling down to the end of the week here. UFC is back in London for the first time since 2019. It's going to be a great show. It's jam-packed, but like um, concise at the same time, you know, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited for it, and I'm doing great. Uh, as far as our socials, where you can find us, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at dsley 14 More importantly, if you just look there at the bottom, if you're watching on YouTube, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And I will, I would be remiss if I did not mention, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. There is a link in both those bios. It'll take you to a link tree. Gives you a whole bunch of links from the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts as well. There's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out. Shout out to them. Uh, if you want to leave a voice message up to 60 seconds, anything and everything, it's, hey, the gloves are coming off for those. Also, there's a link on there if you want to become a financial supporter of the podcast. And we just appreciate any and all support, but the options there, we appreciate it. So without further ado, Dominic, let's talk about UFC London. Booyah. But wait, we're talking about a little melee in the UK. Maybe. That's right. Some drama. Um, two of our combatants who are not fighting one another this weekend no. decided to get things started a little early. Ilya Tuporia and Patty Pimblett were in an altercation. Uh, as of this recording, it was like two days ago. I think it was Monday. Mm-hmm. Um so this is interesting. There's a lot of history between these two. These two have went back and forth on Twitter for a long time. Um, I think even before Patty was signed in the UFC, I think it's been a, a long time. But, um, you know, there was a bit of a, it was an altercation, a scuffle. Uh, a hand sanitizer bottle was thrown. Yeah, yeah. Eggs were thrown. Eggs? Like scrambled eggs. Oh, God. Yeah, Patty was cooking. Apparently he was cooking scrambled eggs, and that's what the plate, that was on the plate that Ilya just like, Fucking whacked at him. That's the ideal way to take eggs, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. And, you know, a lot's been made of this uh, situation. Obviously, not too much came of it. I'll think, kind of thankfully, because I don't want to lose either of those fights that these two have. But, yeah. Um, Dominic, is this a sign of a potential future fight? And was there a winner in this exchange? Or is this just kind of, you know, just media and fans making it out more than it really is? It definitely caught me off guard. Uh, didn't see this coming at all. I think it could be foreshadowing. I mean, if anyone watched the MMA Hour on Wednesday, uh, Ilya Topuria was on the show with Ariel, and he said whatever happens this weekend, win, lose, or draw for him or Patty, he wants to fight Patty in his very next fight. Uh, it seems that there's a real hatred there, especially on Ilya's side toward Patty. I know some stuff was said maybe about his home country of Georgia yeah. and whatnot. I don't know all the details, but it seems pretty ugly. It seems legit. Um, and when you have a personality like Patty, who's going to be able to draw eyes toward it, Ilya is kind of the lesser known, obviously, but he's an absolute stud when it comes to fighting in that cage. So I think we actually have uh, the birth of a pretty solid rivalry here, Noah. Yeah, and at first I was like, well, I wasn't super confident that we would get this fight soon because I was thinking, well, Taporia is probably going to keep trying to make 
waves at 145 and mm-hmm. Patty's, you know, a lightweight, 10 pounds up, but I didn't realize that Tapori is fighting at 155 pounds for yep. this fight with Jai Herbert. So I think there's a really good chance that this is the next fight for both guys. And if I'm being honest, I know I've been kind of the, <laughs> I've been the, 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 the Patty Pimblet truther, the denier. Um, you know, I do like him. I just think he's very green mm-hmm. compared to his popularity, I guess. I don't think that's a very good matchup for him right now. I think Ilya Tuporia is so well-rounded already. So good. Yes, I know Tuporia doesn't have a ranking, but he's kind of floated around that 15 spot. Uh, actually, I think they gave it back to him after Caceres lost last uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. I, But I, it was very interesting because Patty Pimblett signed with Barstool Sports, and Bar, all the Barstool personalities were posting this video and talking, yeah. you know, hyping up Patty, and rightfully so. That's their guy. But a lot of the the stoolies that in the comments, man, they were like, "Oh, Patty would wash this guy in ten seconds and stuff," because they don't know who he is. I'm like, guys, be this careful. dude. <laughs> I'm not saying Patty wouldn't win. I know I've underestimated him, but uh, that is if that fight happens, that'll be very interesting. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, but I guess we'll just move on <laughs> to the real main event that's taking oh. place this weekend. Oh. It appears it's all holding intact. Alexander Volkov will fight Tom Aspinall in the main event here at London. I know there was a lot of hoopla made about Volkov potentially not being able to fly in. He is a Russian fighter. UFC wanted to try to get him out there early. He didn't uh, take take him up on the offer, so they had a backup in place, which I don't know if we ever got confirmed it was Marcin, mm-hmm. Marcin Tibera, but I believe that's the, the candidate. But it doesn't look like it's going to be needed. Volkov versus Aspinall. Dominic, your thoughts on this main event and what it means for both guys? This is a big fight, man. Literally, actually. Volkov is six foot seven, Aspinall six foot five. But this is a, <laughs> this is such a battle. I love everything about it. You know I'm more Aspinall on this show. It's been so cool to essentially follow his whole UFC career. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast, and I love this guy. I think he's a future champion. I really do. Uh, But this is by far his biggest leap, his biggest test. Volkov's been there. He's been a Bellator heavyweight champion. He's got like 40 professional fights. He has an underrated 8-3 and record in the UFC, by the way. We always feel like we talk about that when Volkov fights. But it's the truth, man. He's, He's a puzzle because you don't see many other guys that are as long and as tall as him. Uh, when he puts it together... Um, I should say when he's on, he's on. But when he loses, it's usually pretty convincing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, I think this is Aspinall's time to shine. They put him in this headlining spot for a reason. It's in London, where he's from. This place is going to be going nuts. This is going to be his fifth UFC fight ever. He's fighting number six, and he's in a main event. It's it's a pretty big deal, man. I think this is going to be a stand-up war. Tom Aspinall is well-rounded. Don't forget that. But uh, the way that the styles clash here, I think we're going to see stand-up for as long as it goes. Really could see finishes from either guy. Uh, that's why the odds are pretty close on this. Honestly, they've moved a lot because at the beginning of the week, Aspinall was like a plus 120, so it's reverted mm-hmm. all the way to him being a minus 125. Uh, I love this fight so much, Noah. Uh, we were I was big on it when they converted to this one from what Aspinall's original opponent was, and uh, I have no complaints, my man. Yeah, I love this matchup too, but actually for slightly different reasons or I guess different predictions in my head for how it's going to go. I actually do think Tom Aspinall might try to use the full 
skill set. I don't I, I not that I don't think he can't compete on the feet with Volkov, mm-hmm. but I think it might end up being in his better interest to try to take that fight to the ground. Right. The most one sided loss Volkov's had in his career was to Curtis Blades. I mean Curtis yes. Blades, I mean that was a very tough loss for Volkov really showed nothing on his back, uh, got taken down pretty easy. I know Curtis Blades, probably the best wrestler in the whole division. But be, besides that, you have a loss in the UFC to Derek Lewis, which was a fight that he dominated until Lewis had that Hail Mary yep. KO in the last 10 seconds of the fight. And then he had the whole oh, my balls was hot. You know, just his career took off after that. And last summer, Volkov and Cyril Gaon had a very competitive, but ultimately, according to the scorecards, decisive right. victory for Cyril Gaon, and rightfully so, a fight that was fought entirely on the feet. But you look at some of Volkov's, I mean, we let, let's not forget how he looked against Alistair Overeem. I know Overeem Best we've no, ever longer, seen. no longer in the UFC, but that was an Overeem that with the win might have been getting himself another title shot. I mean, he was on a roll. Yep. And Volkov looked so good. There was more power in his punches. Um, you know, that's always been kind of my thing with Volkov is he's such a high-volume striker, but for heavyweight, he doesn't quite pack the punch like you would want him to. Right. That's kind of why I feel like he lost the Derek Lewis fight because he didn't quite have the power to put Lewis away, and then all it took was one bomb, and that was it. Yeah. But Volkov has shown to be more durable outside of that fight. Um, I do think he's going to be a tough matchup in terms of trying to get that fight to the ground just because I, I, I don't expect Aspinall right now to be a better wrestler than Curtis Blades. And because of that, I'm sure that'll, you know, give him a little bit of trouble trying to take that fight down. But he's going to be the bigger guy in terms of pure mass. Yeah, he is so thick. He will have a strength advantage, I would imagine. Um, I would look for him to use it, try to close distance bully Volkov a little bit against the fence. Yeah. Try to drag him down that way. But you're kind of right. I mean, when I first saw the odds early this week, I was kind of shocked. And obviously they were kind of flipped at the time. Mm-hmm. But the lo- the longer I've sit and thought about it, I kind of agree with the odds um, just because, <clears throat> yes, we all have very high hopes for Tom Aspinall, but, it's a pretty big jump. I mean, Shamil Abdurrahimov, no disrespect, a good fighter, but it's quite a leap to go from him to the pedigree of someone like Alexander Volkov. And yes, there's a lot of weight on Aspinall's shoulders. This is the first time UFC's been in London in a long time. He's the main event. It's his first five round main event. How's he going to look if this fight goes into rounds three, four, five? That'll be very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. It's really a fantastic fight. And, you know, Aspinall with the win, especially if he can do it decisively or even get a finish, really get the crowd on his side, he's going to find himself in the upper echelon of heavyweights. Oh, yeah. It's funny, too. I was listening to an interview with Brett earlier with Tom, and this whole kind of thing that I've respected (laughs) so much about Tom is that he realizes how good he is, but how good he needs to be to compete with, like, these top five guys. Um, but here he is now and it's like to his own doing, because you've been doing so good, you are getting launched into the top 
10 regardless now, no matter what you wanted. And now you're now he just has to live up to the hype. He's never even fought in front of a crowd, Noah, bigger than a thousand people. Wow. Now he's going to fight in front of the O2 20,000 people in London. First wow. time in three years they've had an event. Did it's not think be, about that. That is crazy. Yeah. Insane. He seems so calm about it too. So like yes. he, he really doesn't seem to be feeling the pressure, which I know everybody could put on a good poker face, but he really seems to be like ready for this moment. Yeah, I agree, man. I do. Um, our co-main event. Oh my goodness. I mean, another just, I mean, very close on the odds. It very much tells the story here. Not sure what's going to happen when Arnold Allen, perhaps the most underrated fighter in this featherweight division, he yeah. will take on Dan Hooker the number eight ranked lightweight who is coming back down to 145 pounds of division that he started his UFC career in. Um, Dominic, I, I, I said Arnold Allen's the most underrated fighter in this division. And I would assume that you might agree with that and you can give your thoughts. But I think the bigger story here is how, what do we expect from Dan Hooker here in a division where he moved up for a reason? He was massive as mm-hmm. a featherweight. I mean, he's a, he's a lanky guy and now he's going back down your expectations for him. Are you nervous about how he's going to look or are you pretty confident that the hangman might really be at his full capacity here against Arnold Allen? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And I think that plays a lot into why these odds are so close because people don't really know what to expect. Uh, he seems to look good from his cuts, but there's also pictures where he just doesn't look great at the end of the day. He's a six-foot-tall guy trying to cut to 145. It's not yeah. going to be easy regardless of his new you know, nutrition that he's on to make this cut. Um, but it's very much kind of how I viewed, you know, he, he started at featherweight, right? He went three and three, stagnated, and then he went to lightweight, had a lot of success. But now he's been relatively stagnant at lightweight. However, the competition he's been facing has been absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. That can't be slept on there. But he realizes, I mean, I'm kind of in no man's land. What do I do? Now he's coming back to 145 again. So uh, it's a very interesting move. Relatively late into his career. He's only 32, but he's been fighting in the UFC for a long time. He has 18 fights in the company. He hasn't fought at 145 pounds since 2016, man. So I'm just, I want him to make this weight. I want him to look healthy come Friday morning, obviously. And, uh, you know, we know kind of how he fights he he is good everywhere he's a great striker he showed an ever-improving skill set with his grappling uh, and he's going to need all of that because Arnold Allen like you said might be the most underrated fighter in the featherweight division and one of the most in the entire UFC he's 17 and one he's eight no in the UFC and he's won 10 in a row if you go outside of the UFC and half of his wins are by finish and he's 28 years old right in the middle of his prime mm-hmm. there's just he's very very good and I don't think people Realize that because he has a lot of decision wins in the UFC. He doesn't necessarily go out there and finish people. But this guy is the complete package, man, when I look at Arnold Allen. And that's why this is such a tough fight for Dan Hooker to come back to. But this is still going to be Arnold Allen's biggest test in the octagon, even though he's ranked number seven. So Yeah, so obviously I can tell by the way you're talking. like you're, We're on the same page. We both think Arnold Allen has a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. But my question for you, if Dan Hooker is the best version of himself. Is he better than Arnold Allen at his current state? That's a great question because have we even seen the best version of Dan Hooker, especially like 145 pounds, you know? I mean, if he can come in here and decisively beat Arnold Allen, 
I would say yes, because I, I think Dan Hooker still does have a decently high ceiling, being that he's only 32, and he can still make a shot at a title well, run, man. Okay, sorry, let me let me rephrase. Uh, what I mean is, like, in your – if you were to – you know, you're saying how you think the odds are this close, a lot of the reason being maybe because some people are unsure mm-hmm. of what Dan Hooker we're going to get. Is he going to be gutted from trying to cut that weight and just be a very compromised, maybe – lackluster performance right. or is he going to be like the guy who really took it to Nazareth Hawkbrast or ally Quinna, you know, wins like that and had that war with Paul Felder went to war with Dustin Poirier. My question is if Dan Hooker is the best version of himself, like that we've seen up to this point, like premier top lightweight, the guy who nearly beat Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm in 2020 is that a better fighter than Arnold Allen right now so it's think, like to, like to you is it in your mind is that like the we know Arnold Allen's very good but like he's gonna get better I think is what we're yes, saying so yes right now for me like I and I think you just said yes so like I agree with you that's why I'm asking because if I thought for sure we were gonna get Dan Hooker at his best I would probably be on the betting show, putting money on Dan Hooker. Like, yeah. I think he's that good. But I, I'm not confident that that's what we're going to get. There's a reason why he couldn't continue in this weight class and it kind of fizzled out Yep. before having some resurgence at lightweight. Arnold Allen is so comfortable in this weight class, so fitted for this weight class that it's a tall task. It is. It is very, very much so. But I, I do like your point. I see your question now. And I would say yes, because simply at the end of the day, like I already said, this is going to be Arnold's biggest test. So if he can't pass it, regardless of who it is, regardless if they're moving a weight class, Dan Hooker would just be the better guy at this point in time. Um, and the ceiling is always still going to be there. So Dan Hooker has a lot to prove to show that he's not just some guy that's, you know, what do I do with my career? He, he doesn't want to be put into that kind of bottle. And for Allen, he just needs to prove that I am legit. I'm number seven for a reason. You're going to know my name after I beat Dan Hooker. There's a lot on the line, a lot of storylines for this fight. This is probably, honestly, this might be the most important fight on the card in terms of just the careers of both guys. Yeah, because, I mean, Dan Hooker, you look at the way his careers went, and he's sort of at a crossroads. I yep. mean, he, the end of his lightweight run wasn't as kind to him as, you know, many others. While Arnold Allen is really just looking to get more respect, more eyes on him. This is his biggest fight, his biggest placement in this co-main event spot. Very intriguing to see how both guys respond to that. Yes, I love it. Our feature belt Uh, sees that that, that Dawson, I don't know what he said. The Scouser. 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 (laughs) Patty Pimblett in his second fight in the UFC. He has taken on Kazula Vargas, obviously Patty Pimblett a massive favorite here. And Dominic, I think my question just right off the top, I know we don't really focus on the odds on this show. You can check out the nosebleeds coming out Friday. If you want more of the betting line discussion, but um, do you, in your like in your mind, when you evaluate this fight is, is is Kazula Vargas being rightfully overlooked due to not just the star power, Patty Pimblett, but the potential and just maybe how much better he is. Or is he really about to bring a fight to Patty that we, even like Luigi brought a little bit, but maybe even more so? 
Yeah, I 100%. I mean, if Luigi did what he did, I think Kazula Vargas can present the same threats, if I'm mm. being honest, if not more so. Uh, now, I know that was Patty's UFC debut. There were probably some jitters and whatnot, but this guy's used to the limelight. I don't think it played too much into that. I just think he got caught off guard with how Luigi was skilled and had power. So if he underestimates Vargas here, he could really find himself in some trouble, man. Patty, that is. But uh, overall, the odds do say a lot. Patty is super well-rounded. He's super talented. He's young. He's in his prime. The crowd's going to be going nuts for him there. He's very brash. He's very confident. And all that plays into a money line at, you know, five to one odds. Uh, and he does have the skill set to back it up. He has the skill set to win. Uh, but yes, Vargas can cause problems if Pimblet's not careful. That I believe very much. I think you're right, but I I I would say Kazula Vargas is a little bit better than Luigi Vendramini, but mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that it's like like when I first saw this fight get announced instead of the Jared Gordon fight, I thought it was kind of a lateral step. It was which right. I'm okay with because again, I think Patty Pimblet's pretty green. Yeah. So for the UFC to bring him along slowly, I think is probably a good idea. Yep. But um I have a hard time seeing where Kazula Vargas is really going to present a threat unless Patty it's, it feels like if Kazula Vargas really shocks the world here and gets, and gets this win, it's going to be more due to the, the negatives in Patty's game being exposed rather than anything Kazula Vargas does extremely well. That's just makes sense. No disrespect. You know, he's actually, you know, at first when I saw the fight get announced, I was, I think we might even said it on the show where I was like, who you look at his resume. Yes. I think he's one and two in the UFC, yep. but the resume is a little bit better than it looks, you know, when you, when you, the lack of name value. And also you look at the fights, but again, I haven't seen anything that tells me that he's, you know, got a super high ceiling, which no matter what I say about Patty, I can definitely agree. He's got a high ceiling. Yeah, very much. Uh, more on these fights. We do have more or more on this card, I should say, in a little bit. We're going to transition into one fight announcement. Pretty big one. Pretty big one. The co-main event of UFC 274. Finally. For the women's strawweight title. Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza run it back. Was it seven years Seven years, I think. Yeah, 2014. From the, from the first fight. 2015, something like that. Um, So, obviously, this is the rightful fight. I think yes. everybody can agree. Carla Sparza earned her title shot. She should have got this probably before the Whaley Zhang rematch. But, you know, whatever. I get it. But here we are. Carla Sparza won the first matchup. Yep. Now, Rose, their careers have gone. I mean, these, these ladies, their careers went completely different directions, but however, they find themselves here. Yep. Mano y mano. Rose Namajunas sort of went under the radar for a while before she earned a title shot against Ioana and Jacek at UFC 217. Shocked the world. Put her to sleep. Made her tap the punches. Shouldn't say put her to sleep. TKO. But made her tap the punches. Right. Then defeated her again. However, she lost the title in that fight. She was dominating the Jessica Andrade before getting slammed on her head. Got the belt again with another shocking KO of Zhang Weili. Yep. While Carlos Barza was our original, our OG women's strawweight champion, she lost in emphatic fashion to 
the aforementioned Joanna Young Jacek, in a sense, kind of just grinded her way back here. I mean, she's had some losses in the way, had some wins, maybe not been the most exciting fighter, but she's earned every bit of this title shot, Dom. Do you agree? Yes, 100%, man. I mean, she's won five in a row, and when she finished Yan Zhaonan the way she did, I knew that she had to be next, and she should have been before Zhang Weili. I get it, though. That rematch was big, but uh, I love everything about this fight. The storylines are beautiful, you know? They were in that inaugural strawweight fight years and years ago. They've went on two completely opposite paths. They fought every single person in this division, I feel like. Uh, they've never moved up. They've never moved down. They stayed in this weight class for years. And now they're right back at the epitome of their weight class, the peak. And they're going to meet again for a rematch, man. Rose wants revenge from many years ago. Carla wants to prove she's still legit um, and can be a title holder. I-, I love everything about this fight. Stylistically, it's a great fight because Carla is an amazing grappler. Rose is super underrated on the ground. I mean, I, I love it. There- there's no gripes. There's nothing that you won't hear me praise in terms of this fight. Yeah, it's a great addition to that card. And yes. I just want to, and I'll say this more when that fight actually comes up for preview time, but Carlos Barza just deserves so much credit for being able to work her way back here. Nobody, nobody thought when she dropped that title to Joanna that she would ever be back in the title picture. I mean, you looked at the way she lost. I don't think you could imagine a worse way to lose your towel shot, utterly dominated, did yep. not show a shred of offense, defense, anything. But she put her head down, her nose down, or whatever they say, and grinded. She got the work. She got better. She did it under our noses a little bit. Yeah, she did on a lot of prelim cards. She had a couple. I mean, a lot of split decisions, some tough fights where she came up short, but big wins and capped it off with a dominant performance over Yan Zhaonan, a fight that I think a lot of people thought Zhaonan was going to win. Including myself. And myself as well. But, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy this fight is being booked. That's all I can say. Amen. And now some things we missed. Just a couple quick news stories here. Francis Ngannou, our heavyweight champion, he is to undergo knee surgery this week, Dominic. Oh. That will see him out for nine months. Interesting timing. Mm, <laughs> yeah, you don't say. That recovery finds him around January 2023, which is also when his contract would come up. Um, obviously, this sucks that he's going to be out. I mean, I think we kind of were expecting one way or another. And Ganu probably wasn't going to fight the rest of this year. Yeah, but now that it's confirmed, an injury, you know, the surgery, the the recovery time is going to be the main reason for that. Does this make you reevaluate anything about the current situation we're in with Ngannou, or is this just kind of, you know, is it just kind of the the what are they like the the official like we can just officially say okay he we will not see him the rest of this year now maybe we can focus on an interim belt or whatever yeah i mean i was already in the mindset of we're going to have an interim belt and this all but just confirms it if i'm being honest uh first and foremost shout out to francis hopefully it all goes well hopefully he can recover well Uh, who knows if we'll see him in the ufc octagon again i sure hope so uh but yeah the heavyweight division is a mess Uh, But it is very healthy and vibrant right now at the same time, which it hasn't been like this in a while. So that's nice. Uh, We will see an interim title fight sometime down the line this year. 
your guess is as good as mine as to who's going to be in the fight because there's been rumors. We don't know if John Jones is fighting. We don't know what Stipe's doing. Taitu Ivas is in title contention now, by the way. Zero Gon's still there. Mm-hmm. Curtis Blades fights Kai, uh, Chris Dawkins next week in Columbus. We'll be at that. Uh, there's a lot of shit going on, a lot of moving parts in this division. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the show, my friend. Yeah, that Stipe Taitu Ivas rumored matchup that we didn't discuss, but uh, didn't see anybody. It seemed like that story just kind of took off, man. And I, I'm yeah. not sure if there was really a lot of credibility behind it. Yeah. Crazier things would happen than that fight being booked, if I'm being honest. That's true. Um, also, one more thing. Kevin Holland. Salute this man. <laughs> this man, for the second time, took on an armed assailant. I don't know what you, I don't know the terminology here. It, Basically, a man fought, started firing rounds into some sort of sushi restaurant or something. Kevin Holland, along with two other individuals, disarmed him. This is the second time Kevin Holland has done something like this. My question, Dominic, is Kevin Holland better at taking out bad guys than he is the guys that he faces in the octagon? Oh, goodness. Shots fired there, Noah. Um, Wait, hey. no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I, uh, maybe uh I know Kevin Holland didn't have the best 2021, but I, I promise that was uh, in good okay. faith. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, hey, what I will say, though, he, he shows some jujitsu and wrestling against these guys. He took him down, apparently put him in a rear naked choke, is what he was saying in the interviews <laughs> there. So, listen, this is a truly inspiring story. You know, these MMA males and females, they're, they are superhuman at times, it seems like. And Kevin Holland, he's done this. I forget. Um, the other one was like a carjacking or something. He stopped a guy from stealing his car or something. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin Holland, right place, right time. And he's saving people's lives. He's saving vehicles. He's doing it all. Uh, he's been calling himself Batman and shit. I've loved seeing all the memes and whatnot on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I mean, what an amazing guy, what an amazing story. Uh, really what more can you even say about Kevin Holland? Yeah, one I mean, of the biggest is, characters there is. This is one of those things that's like bigger than sports, right? Like it's yeah. not, but if I may just say that this does completely continue to like build his yes oh just yeah everything the star power it's all you know it's all been bubbling it's all kind of there yes he had this couple losses last year but shit like this i mean this is superhero shit this is you know you don't see this from everyday people you know exactly but yeah shout out kevin holland but anyways we're gonna talk about more ufc london Let's start with Gunnar Nelson, huh? a, name that, <laughs> a name that has been a mist for three years or yeah. two and a half years, maybe. Yeah. Um, I believe it was August 2019, the last time he fought. He's back and taking on Takashi Sato. Dominic, your expectations for Gunnar Nelson's return fight? Um, I'm skeptical. I'm a little pessimistic, but... He's always been a fun fighter to watch, man. I mean, he's a, he's a finisher. He's a great submission ace. His grappling's next level. Uh, when anybody's off two and a half years, I think you have to be a little just like, mm, mm-hmm. what are we going to see here? But Takashi Sato, he hasn't fought since November of 2020, so he's been on a layoff too. Uh, so really, what the hell is going to happen in this fight? I don't really know. I do think it's going to end in a finish for either guy. I think it might be fun, whether it's on the feet, whether it's in the grappling realm, which I think it'll be more so. Uh, but it's odd because Gunnar Nelson, you know, he went into this hiatus on a two fight skid, but it was to Leon Edwards and uh, 
Gilbert Burns. Thank you, Gilbert Burns. So I mean, and the Leon Edwards fight was a split decision. True, and it was in London too. That fight was. So it's just uh, it, it's odd, man, because he is good. He's beaten good competition. So uh, the layoff doesn't hurt him. I know he's had injuries, and I'm sure other things have caused him to be out. Uh, but he's still only 33. So there is still hope to maybe maybe he can put a little something something together here. But he has to get through Takashi Sato first. I know Sato doesn't have the cleanest of records, but he's a very dangerous fighter. Yeah, a dangerous opponent for sure. I think it's an appropriate uh, po- opponent for a return fight for someone of Gunnar Nelson's caliber. Yeah. He, to me, even if though when he left, I don't know if he was quite ranked or whatever, but you look at the losses and then you look at how dominant he would look at times against guys like Alan Joban and um, he would have these great wins where he looked so vicious and just like a pit bull just attacking you with the submissions. And, so good. Um, but then you look at like his loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio. He got, I mean, he got pummeled. Yeah. Now the Leon Edwards fight, I don't remember it really. I don't remember if that split decision was earned or not. Might have been a bad scorecard. But the fact that he's hanging in there with guys of championship caliber, Edwards and Burns, I think it shows that he does have, you know, at least when he left, he had a lot left to give. Yes. I'm not yes. sure why the layoff was taking this long. Obviously, we had a an entire pandemic that is still, I guess, going on um, in the middle of all that. So maybe that was one of the reasons. But he's back here now. I'm skeptical as well. I, I And you'll notice that on the betting side, for sure. <laughs> I, I did not put any money on this fight. I'm too... I'm just not very confident either which way because Gunnar Nelson should beat Takashi Sato. Right. But you're right. The long layoff, you know, why is he coming back? Now I have to ask questions like that. That's a great question. Nick Diaz come back. I know completely different fighters, situations. Nick Diaz was like five, five, six years. Yeah. But it, after that, it just made me go, okay, like, why is Gunnar Nelson coming back? He's another John Cavanaugh guy. A lot of those guys haven't been doing too well in the UFC as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some signs. There's some There's some red flags. But some of it might be made up in my own head, as I'm saying. There's a lot of assumptions I'm kind of making there. Um, really, I'm just excited for the fight because I just don't know what I'm going to see. But I hope for a good fight either way. Yeah, for sure. Following that, Jai Herbert. Ilya Tuporia, the other man in that scuffle. Um, this is a very interesting fight because I've been, I've, I'm very high on Ilya Tuporia. Very high. I think his skill set is so well rounded already. I think he's kind of like this Pandora's box waiting to be unloaded on the tops of this, well, I guess now he's moved. I don't know if this lightweight move is permanent. I would say maybe it will be with the Patty Pimblett fight coming up because he did miss weight. He said on the MMA fight. hour he that the, he had a meeting with the UFC and that they're allowing him to go back and forth. But okay. yes, if he fights Patty, that would also be at one fifty-five. Yeah. So hey, I'd be down for that as well. I think yeah. you know some guy that you saw Amzad do it for a little bit. I mean, yeah. why not? So my knee-jerk reaction was to be like, oh, Tuporia all the way. Right. Just because he's getting an unranked opponent in Jai Herbert. But Herbert, while he had a, a bit of a slow start to his UFC career, or at least some some roadblocks in the way, he had some tough losses, he's coming off an exceptional win. He looked fantastic 
in his last fight. I can't remember who he fought, but um, he looked really good. Yeah. Now, the the thing here is Jai Herbert is very good striker. Mm-hmm. I would say he's probably a better striker than Tuporia. I mean, that might not even need to be said. It's probably the case. But Herbert is still, as of now, not been able to fully flesh out that entire game. That's why I think Tuporia is a you know just a great pick. He's a big favorite. Um, I just think he has more weapons, more methods to victory. Herbert's an interesting pick. Like it's an interesting guy here because again, he's another one of these guys from the UK. He's you know got the home crowd advantage, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But um, I don't believe Tuporia will be um, phased, and if anything, I think the scuffle and whatnot with Patty might just make him want to really show people even more what a, excuse me, what a dog he can be. Yeah. Um, I definitely have my questions going into this fight again. It, it is at 155, So we've never seen Tuporia there. And no, when you point out Herbert's um, striking, well, when you add on to that, no, he's going to have a six inch height advantage an eight, inch reach advantage so Tuporia is going to have to close the distance he's a great striker in his own right but this is a whole new ball game here when you're talking about a lightweight striker that is going to be this long and that tall Tuporia is a great grappler as well that honestly might be his better route to victory I don't know if he Mm -hmm. wants to stand because if he can't close the distance he could be in some trouble man so be on the lookout for the size difference in this fight Tuporia is like a minus 550 favorite which is crazy Herbert could pull off a big upset couple of ranked light heavyweights low on this card. Well, I think it's on the main card, but Nikita Krylov, a man that I personally made a big blunder with on this podcast. I said that I didn't think he was a very exciting fighter and that I, um, not a high finisher. And that was mostly off of recency bias. A fan corrected me and was like, I don't know about that. Look at his finishing rate, and that is something to behold. Uh, yeah, quite a blind spot on my Nikita Krylov uh, history because um, he's going up against Paul Craig. This is—I feel like we've seen Nikita Krylov at his best. Whether or not he is still in that form here, I feel like where he's at now, he's peaked. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that the same can be said for Paul Craig, if I'm being honest. Okay. That's I think fair. Paul Craig, he's coming off of a great performance against Jamal Hill with the arm flapping when that was his last fight, right? Yep. Yeah. So, it, you know, the stock on Paul Craig is at an all time high right now, I think, just because, you know, he looked so good there. And that's really been a story for him in his career. He has it's such a fun fight style that. Um, but I don't know if he has the tools to really be a champion. He doesn't really like to get hit. Um, you know, he obviously makes it very clear where he wants to take his fights and he is so good when you get there and it's such a mismatch for some people because that type of style is not prevalent in this light heavyweight division, but he does have kind of that glaring weakness where, you know, it's at least been questioned at times, you know, his, Willingness to take a punch. How many can he really take? What's his durability level? No doubt. I love Paul Craig. I would um, be very excited if he could make a big push here. 
But Nikita Krylov is a guy, again, I've underestimated him. I think a lot of people might be underestimating him a little bit. Might have the more well-rounded game. Probably has the experience advantage as well. Yes. Um, it's a very interesting fight. I just, again, I don't know if I... Krylov's last few fights do tell a story. It might not be the focus if you look at his career as a whole. Again, he's a very high finisher, but the last three or four fights, I think, have all went to a decision. It might be a sign that we've seen the best of him pass. Yeah, yeah, you make very valid points there. It's interesting, too. These guys have like been in the division forever but never fought each other, so uh, it's an interesting stylistic clash. It's weird, too, because Nikita, like, uh, he has 15 submission wins, not even counting all the knockouts that he has. But he, when he loses, he can get submitted easily too. Mm-hmm. So if this goes to the ground, I don't know if he's going to be willing to grapple with Paul. So it could be quite literally turned into a striker grappler, even if on paper that's not the case. You know? Yeah, very true. Couple of big prospects for the bantamweight, this bantamweight division, right? Yeah. yeah. Jack Shore, Timur Valiev. Oh, man. I've been riding high on Jack Shore for a while. Um, again, hasn't been in the most exciting of fights. Again, he's so he's, – he's got a very high fight IQ. He knows where he is best suited to win a fight. He doesn't take much damage. He, his takedowns are fantastic, and he is a problem. But Timur Valiev is a very good fighter. Coming off of quite, I believe he's coming off a, pr- a really good fight against, um, I can't remember who he fought last, but it was a really good fight. And I remember it was a really good opponent, but it's kind of what put Valiev on the map a little bit. And now I think we're starting to ask ourselves, wait a minute, maybe Tim Moore Valiev is a name we need to watch out for. So I think this is great matchmaking. Two guys who hardcore fans are aware of. But casual fans are still kind of wondering why they should care. And I think yes. one of these guys is going to come out here and show you why you should care. Yeah, this is a phenomenal fight. One of the biggest fights to watch out for on this stacked card that we're getting in London. Jack Shore, undefeated, 15-0, and never lost. Tamir, uh, or Tamir, sorry, is on a nine-fight unbeaten streak. I mean, these guys have tons of momentum coming into this fight. Uh, good everywhere, right? It's that next wave, that next evolution of fighter. Uh, and they're at 135 pounds, which is arguably the best division in the UFC right next to the lightweight. So I love everything about it. It's a great fight. The last one, our opener, first Uh-oh. fight of the evening. A Uh-oh. name that's been on our radar for a while. A lot of people have been talking about him. Mohamed Mohayev making his UFC debut. Very young guy here in the flyweight division. 21. He's going up against Cody Durden, who probably made more headlines for his post-fight speech than the actual win itself. Mohayev specifically requested this fight. Yep. Um, Cody Durden's good. But is he uh, is he going to make be a bit of uh, uh, be careful what you ask for when he started uh, you know lipping off after his last win? He it very well could play out that way, man. I'm very excited to see Muhammad into the octagon and see what it's all about. I mean, he's undefeated. He's finished four out of six. He was a phenomenal wrestler. He's from Dagestan. Fights out of the UK, uh, dude. He's twenty. 20- one years old i mean i knew he was young i couldn't remember how young he was it's unreal i mean yes cody's gonna have the experience he's been in the ufc for a little bit man but 
if if Mohaev lives up to all this hype, he may just come in and catapult himself right into his UFC debut and make a big splash. Very much excited to see. That's the opening fight of the whole card, by the mm-hmm. way, too. Yeah, it's a great fight to open a card. So people, make sure you are watching. It's on the East Coast. It starts at one o'clock, I believe. Oh Saturday. yeah, baby! Ooh, brunch yeah, and early, fight. Early card for you guys that are actually in the UK. I don't know what time it is. You, you guys figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, that's gonna wrap it up here for this weekend preview edition. Thank Perfect. you all for you know bearing with me as I kind of flub up the the next three episodes with my you know my schedule my lack of planning ahead you know all the doodads and uh thank you to my co-host for will for uh bearing through the the late <laughs> night here we got one more to record after this so no sign off here besides to say i'm Noah baker that's my boy dominic salee we're the below average joes and we'll <clears throat> see you sunday monday 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 oh. yeah monday see you monday Fuck. <laughs>